there are some companies to where it's like you you're putting on <laughs> putting on a condom on your phone. <laughs> <laughs> you're listening to the Snob OS podcast, the podcast for Apple snobs. Yo, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech. And this is Mika Monford, a.k.a. Tech Savvy Diva. And welcome back to the Snob OS Show, the show for Apple snobs, where we talk all things Apple and then some. We are back with another week. This is Snob OS episode 172. So we want to thank everybody for coming back and listening to and or watching the show. We definitely want to say thank you to all those people who have been hanging in there with us so long. If you want to actually uh, be a supporter of the show, uh, you can go to patreon.com forward slash snobos cast. Uh, give us some, give us some dough and you'll get some extra exclusive benefits like being able to watch the show live, get the show early and get exclusive content you will not find in the actual show that comes out on Friday. So we definitely want to thank those who are subscribed and our Patreons. Uh, thank you for that, and um, we appreciate your continued support. So we're going to get this party started, and we're going to start with our lowdown segment where we talk all things Apple. Uh, this came up earlier this week. Uh, there is another iOS update right now. Uh, you should be able to update to iOS 15.5, and it comes with some new features, uh, but most of iOS 15.5 is a bunch of security updates. Uh, some of these fix, uh, primarily fixes, pre prevents malicious apps or, and in some cases stops remote attackers from running arbitrary code on victims, iPhones, which should be clear. You don't want anybody doing basically, you don't want anybody remotely being able to open and run code on your on your phone on your tablet so on and so forth so um this ios 15.5 of course ios for phones ipad os mac os tv os and watch out watch os and safari all have updates to pitch uh to fix these vulnerabilities um so you definitely want to download that all that to say so in addition to that um, I noticed that there were some people having some issues with Apple Wallet, um, specifically their credit card. If they swiped a couple credit cards or a couple, a couple transactions, those transactions were not showing up in the wallet app. So it looks like iOS 15.5, um, fix, fixes that bug. Uh, it's basically, basically what the, according to the Apple system status page, it says some users may have experienced delays in receiving transaction notifications. So basically what you have to do is update to iOS. Well, first you force quit the wallet app, update to iOS 15.5, and then you should be able to see those transactions if, in fact, you are using your uh, Apple credit card. So uh, have you updated to iOS 15.5 yet? I had no idea this update was even available. <laughs> like, I've been like completely clueless when I saw this. I was like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> how? I didn't know this because I have my devices to auto update. 
And, you know, while you were, you know, teeing up the story, I, I looked at my phone and I was like, sure enough, it's just still sitting there. Um, it, it didn't, uh, update overnight like it's supposed to. I'm thinking maybe I didn't have it plugged in around 3 a.m. So maybe that's why. I don't know, but normally it kind of kicks off and, and does this thing, but I'll definitely get all of the Apple ecosystem updates done. You know, it would be really nice. Especially for those of us who are in the Apple ecosystem, like laptops, tablets, phones, watches. If there's like this little button that you could say, hey, updates are available for A, B, C, and D. Apple already knows all of my Apple devices. Can I just like click a button and kick off all of my updates at the same time so I don't have to go to each one and do a thing? Well, yes and no. Uh, So take your situation and multiply that by... Four, three to four other people. So my family, I've got an, a Mac, I've got an iPad, I've got a phone, I've got a watch. My wife has a Mac, she has a tablet, she has a phone. My two daughters each have their own Mac, each have their own tablet. My oldest daughter has a phone. My youngest son has a tablet, right? So that's like a bajillion devices. Are they all on the same Apple ID though? No, they're not, but... Apple does have a device management software. Mm -hmm. The only problem is it's not for families. Mm -hmm. They have it for if you or me as an IT guy and I have a client and their organization all uses Apple devices, I could set them up with Apple business management. Mm -hmm. And then I, as the IT person, can click that button. And force all of those devices to update to the latest OS. But can they just uh, do it by Apple ID? Like you have your Apple ID, you get your notification, well, you can do yours, and then Alondra has her Apple well, ID. Well, it'd be nice. So it'd be yours. nice if they could. It, all the devices that are tied to one Apple ID, there should could be very well be a button to where you force this update to go to all of those devices tied to that ID. Um, again, that, that hasn't came down for personal use yet. Right now, Apple is that has that is specifically for business. So you got to have a special business account. Mm-hmm. All the devices have to be bound to this account. And then yeah. as the administrator, you can then do certain things like when, you know, when you start a new yeah. job, they can yeah. download all the software. They can right. install all the policies or whatever the case may be. You can do that um, via screen time. But mm-hmm. that's not what you're talking about. You're talking no. about to where you Managed. I get a push notification mm-hmm. on my iPhone that says you have updates for iPad OS 15.5, iPhone OS 15.5. Can't you, you know, just get a push notification? You send your notification for everything else and you just say, hey, I want to do select all. Or if you say, you know what, let me just leave my iPhone alone and do all the rest of them. Let me do a checkbox to say which ones I... Give me some options so I don't right. have to go to each device. And you would think because Apple is, you know, the whole ecosystem is like their thing. And they know that multiple people have multiple devices in that ecosystem. I have like three MacBook Pros. I have a Mac Mini. I have an iPhone. I have two tablets. You know, I have a watch. So it's like, help me help you 
to make my life easier. <laughs> right, right. And they have that. It just has rolled down to individual or family use list. And what is yeah. it called again, you said? It's called Apple Business Management. I have to look at the exact terms, but there are ways you can, um, Apple Configurator is the actual name of it, the actual name of the software that you can get on your uh, device and you pretty much enroll each device into this configurator and then you can kind of do more high level IT management of your devices. Again, they I want to IT manage my personal device. Exactly, exactly. It'd be nice to (laughs) IT manage your personal that would make me personally happy because you know just yesterday I had to send a text message. Everybody update your devices. Yeah. My family's like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Right. And if you had them, you could just click, click, click for them. Click the button. Apple, do you want to hire me to do that? I'll, I'll do it. For I'll real. do it. <laughs> <laughs> so just a, a quick highlight uh, outside of the uh, security patches and bugs that they patched for iOS 15.5. Here's some highlights of features that you get from 15.5. Uh, your Apple wallet now enables Apple cash customers to send and request money from their Apple cash card. Apple podcasts includes a new setting to limit episodes stored on your iPhone and automatically deletes older ones. I thought that was always a thing, but I guess it wasn't. Uh, another one is fixes an issue where home automations, if you're using a home app, triggered by people arriving or leaving may fail. So, for instance, um, I've got an automation set up to where when the last person leaves the house, it automatically locks the front door. So it knows when I'm gone. It knows when my wife is gone. When one of my kids, for example, goes to school or whatever, as soon as it recognizes that they're gone and there are technically no devices in range, it automatically locks the doors. So I guess some people were having an issue to where uh, that was failing. So uh, definitely just for the patches and bugs and security holes, update to iOS 15.5. But there are a couple, couple little features in there that you may be able to take advantage of. All right. Moving up. Let's see what we got. Um, so this is the video <laughs> that I wanted to show. Um, <laughs> we talked about it before. Um, Apple, I'd say earlier this year announced a feature to where if I am a merchant, like I'm at a swap meet or at a, a market or a fair or whatever, and I want to uh, sell you something and you come to my booth and you buy some lotion or some whatever the case may be. Instead of me having a whole separate point of sale system or instead of me trying to print up barcodes of all my PayPal and Venmo and Square Cash, uh, Apple announced a feature to where I can use my phone and my phone be the point of sale system. And if somebody else is using Apple Wallet or whatever, they can hold their phone to mine and the transaction will do. Well, it looks like Apple has actually rolled out that feature and they had a cool video of it working and it works like super seamless. Seamless. Yeah. So in a I just couple wanted, seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to, like I said, I wanted to show the video, but my uh, mm-hmm. system had other plans. But so imagine <laughs> <laughs> me holding my phone up to yours and, you know, of course you have to put in the the item and the price or whatever the case may be on your phone. But when you're ready to pay, you just hold the phones next to each other and the transaction goes through. So, and, and it's not just, um, relegated to Apple products. You can use Square. So if you are a Square merchant and you use Square as your point of sale system, it'll take that. 
um, a couple other ones. I can't think of the names of them right now. Um, Shopify? I do, is that a thing? Say what? what like you say? Shopify? I know they have like websites. Shopify. I don't know um, if they have like personal. Yeah, Square, Shopify, and Adden, A-D-Y-E-N. Never heard of that last uh, one. Some other ones, Future, Lightspeed Commerce, and New Store. So some of those, if you're using some of those, they should either work right now or eventually they'll get, they'll grow to those, uh, capabilities and functionality. So that's all. I just want to let folks know that the Apple's tap to pay, tap to pay peach feature is actually being used and you have to take my word for it. It looks pretty simple and seamless. Yep. <laughs> all right. Moving next. Uh, next story is, um, Ohio is preparing to, uh, introduce or uh, put forward a bill to actually criminalize air tag tracking. Now, this is not specific to air tag. Of course, the journalists used air tag for the bait, for the, for the link <laughs> bait. But uh, this new legislation would prohibit people from installing trackers on another person's property without consent. So you would think, well, duh, you know, that ain't Obviously. already illegal. But right. so, but think about it from this point. Say, for instance, uh, you, you and your wife and or husband or partner are going through some troubled waters, right? Maybe even be getting divorced, right? Um, you're trying to figure out, okay, who's at fault? Cause alimony, palimony, child support, whatever, infidelity, whatever the case may be. Whatever right? the case may be, right? You need to, you need proof. That the person is stepping out, you need to prove that they are doing something that they that you feel like is in breach of your marriage agreement. So you you put a tracking device on them, not to follow them, you know, not to you know uh, rob them or anything, just to just to get like a running list of where they go. This bill would include that when most people just assume. Well, the only reason why I'm tracking is because I need to rob you or steal your car or, you know, whatever, or, uh, uh, you know, kidnap you. There are many nefarious use cases for these. Not even nefarious, just random use cases. If I was being cheated on and I was considering divorce, I'm going to want more proof, more concrete proof that uh, my wife is doing what she, what I claim she's doing before you gotta get we go through receipt. this whole process, right? So I'm going to want to, like... Your receipts, you know, they right. gotta say, I, got I can't afford receipts. a private investigator, but I do have an air tag sitting in my wall in, in the drawer. Right. Right. For 25 bucks. I mean, it's right. pretty cheap. Right. So, uh, you could, you know, you could actually do that. You know, well, this bill is going to actually make that criminal. So again, this is just a new law, law in Ohio, but I'm pretty sure as technology gets better, you know, things like this are easier for end users. More states, more cities, more governments will actually start to implement this Adapt. type of thing. So yeah. be careful out there. If you are trying to catch your husband slipping, uh, you may want to make sure you are not in a state to where if he finds out or somebody finds out, you could go to jail and mess your whole operation up. <laughs> As technology, you know, develops and grows, so, so do the laws. They have to change to conform and fit, you know, these times. And, you know, been a little bit political here. 
you know, there are some people, this might go to the Supreme Court because some people say this wasn't what the original forefathers intended. <laughs> so it is therefore unconstitutional. And that just goes to show that that uh, logic is BS because be as times change, laws and rules have to change to apply to it as well. Right. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. A little side note on, on that because, you know, yeah. Yep. All right. So the last story is all, it's not really a story. I was just reading this um, story in Newsweek and it's not really news. It's just something that I have pondered in while I use my devices and just wanted to ask the general question. Uh, do you have a case on your iPhone? Sure do. Cause I'm clumsy as hell. Cause you're clumsy. Okay. <laughs> so the story that I read was um, this guy in Newsweek. Um, he pretty much talks himself out of actually using a iPhone case because according to him, you know, he's always, he's kind of graduated in reverse from using a thick case to just using like a bumper to actually using like, they've got some products out there to where you can like apply adhesive to the back and the sides of the screen, similar to like a, a screen protector, but on the entire device mm -hmm. to where he's not even this person that wrote the story isn't even using a case at all. And his standpoint was people really don't drop their phones anymore. So, you know, he was just kind of uh, deciding if that's the case for everybody or is that just something for him, you know, Cameras are getting better. They're getting more sturdier. You know, the Gorilla Glass this and the stainless steel scratch drop mm. re resistant that. So I guess I wanted to ask you, but you already answered the question. Would going caseless be something you would actually consider? Not in the cards for me. <laughs> Not in the cards. Now, I do have like a clear case because I like my gold phone and I want the gold to show. So I do just do like a... a clear case on it so you can still like see it or whatever but yeah i i i need a case and um it's funny one of our listeners tina who's a friend of mine she actually is up in dc she never puts a case on her phone and hasn't for years even when we had the glass back you know <laughs> iphone she was like no it's fine and i'm like are you insane <laughs> to not use a case and she's like no it's fine and i'm just like that's living on the edge. I can't live that far on the edge because, again, clumsy. Right. So I go back and forth. Uh, sometimes I wear, I'll use a case. Um, I've gotten down to the point to where I will use a screen protector uh, because I do shove my phone in my pocket. And sometimes, knowingly or uh, unbeknownst, I'll shove my keys down in my same pocket mm. and I don't want to scratch the screen up. So I will have a screen protector on all the time. What I will and won't do sometimes is I will take my phone out of my case, depending on what I'm doing. Like, for instance, um, just this past weekend, uh, me and my wife went to a wedding. You know, I'm, I'm fly, you know, I'm jazzed up. I will take my phone out of my case and stick it in my pocket because I want, you know, not necessarily I want people to see it, but it's almost like, it's a new phone when you take it out of the case, and I want to have it's that jewelry. New. If you, if you, yeah, exactly, if you, it's like jewelry. <laughs> exactly. So I'll do it when I'm doing that. 
if I'm going somewhere date night, you know, things like that. I'm going to an event. I'll take the case off, you know, but uh, most of the time I probably will have it in like a super, super thin. Like there are some companies to where it's like you you're putting on (laughs) putting on a condom on your phone. (laughs) How thin it is. Right. It's not, you know, most people think of a case. They think of it's got the rubber, the silicone, mm. and if you actually drop it, it'll bounce because it's right. got that much protection around it. But, you know, <laughs> if you can imagine putting your phone in a condom <laughs> and <laughs> dropped it, it would still probably crack or, you know, break. But right. if you had it in, you know, and then you put your, like like I mentioned before, put put some keys or something sharp, it'll stop it from getting scratched and scuffed. And that's pretty much all I need. I just need something to where if I, I need it to stop from getting scratched and scuffed because when I buy a new phone, I typically sell my phone on the open market. So mm-hmm. that protection stops it from getting scratched. So when I actually go to sell it, I get as much value as possible. So that's all. I just wanted to throw that out there. And for anybody listening, you know, you can follow us on SnobOS Cast. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on Instagram. Uh, you can join our Discord community. Let us know. Will you ever go uh, iPhone caseless or are you like Nika and I, I'm not even going to chance it. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know which side, uh, which camp you're in because I am in camp uh, phone protected. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's going to do it for our main uh, segment, the lowdown. We're going to move into second string where we talk all things tech in general. So uh, everybody was up in arms as it relates to this Elon Musk story where him trying to buy Twitter. Um, it looks like he's, I put in the, in the show notes, moonwalking away <laughs> from this, uh, this, this purchase. Yeah. And, uh, according to him, uh, he had a back and forth with the CEO of Twitter and basically Elon Musk was accusing Twitter of fudging its numbers when it comes to the amount of fake or bot accounts on Twitter. So basically he went as far as I'm not going to do the whole details, but basically he went as far as to say um, the deal to buy Twitter can't move forward unless the company shows public proof that fewer than 5% of the accounts on the social media platform are fake or spam bots. So uh basically, according to him, he went back when the deal was presented. Um, um, Twitter said they only got, you know, one or two percent or whatever the case may be. And I think Elon Musk knows that that's not the right number. So he's kind of using that as the catch all as to as not, get out of jail. Card. Yeah, get out of jail free cars. So I guess my question to you is, is that a legit reason that Twitter is kind of fudging their user account numbers or do you think he's uh i don't know tired or changed his mind or changed his interest where he needs to get a he's trying to get this gel out of get get out of jail free card so i think this is a company and companies going to do what companies do to make their bottom line look better so this is an isn't surprising that uh, the number of bots that they said were or were not there, whatever, however you want to look at it, that was always likely going to be the case. Now it's just him 
if it wasn't this, it would be something else. The, the, the image size is too small or too big. It, it would be something because I think he thought when he went into this process, he'd be hailed this, you know, captain of industry and he'd be lauded for, you know, coming up with this deal and he, 44 billion. I mean, doing all these things. I thought he, I think he thought he was going to get a lot of adulation. Now he did get adulation, but it was from the far right nut It wasn't unanimous. Right. And it wasn't like the type of people that he would have hoped to get that type of attaboy or you're the greatest businessman in the world. And now, you know, I think he's trying to walk it back because again, I think it was a PR. I don't, I won't say a PR stunt, but it was definitely, he was trying to flex and this flex did not go the way that he thought it would. And now he's looking not very smart for the way he went uh, about this. And then even the, the Twitter employees were kind of rebelling, the public was rebelling. He didn't, I don't think he got, you know, the ego boost that he thought he would get from this. And so now he's using this arbitrary, how'd you come up with 5%? Right. Just make it up. Is it based in science? Is it is five percent of bots? Is that number a safe number for right. people uh, a baseline online? Of some sort. Right. Yeah. Is, is is there some reasoning for picking five? I mean, you might as well pick four point two five six. You know, for for uh, for the lack of, of 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 anything because it seems to be an arbitrary number. It doesn't seem to be anything backed by science or backed by data. This is just a way for him to say oopsies take backsies never mind y'all can keep this because it's just a big you know shit show right well speaking of numbers uh some of the ideas around why he's doing this is because um twitter's share has dropped nearly 10 percent so maybe he the company is not as valuable as when he put the offer up. So maybe he's trying to devalue the company a little bit more. So but did he, he not it. see that like any time of upheaval or any time you have this type of confusion, of course the price is going to go down because it's so much uncertainty and the market is volatile. And honestly, they make this shit up with how the market goes up and down. Or right. it's, it's all like big science. So I don't know how he thought that this would be any different. Well, that goes back to your original sentiment. He he thought he was going to be different to where if he announced he's going to buy Twitter, oh, the stock shares are going to go up. Mm-hmm. You know, then he could say, look, just my mere mentioning of buying Twitter makes your company more valuable. And now that's not the case. He's like, ah, this is not what I expected. Or he thought he was Jay Z. My presence is your present. No, right, right. Sir, or not old. <laughs> or this is a tactic to drop the value of the company so he can get a better deal because at the time it was 44 billion now that twitter's value has gone down now that he has has identified a issue with twitter's numbers maybe he can come back to the table and maybe buy it for 40 billion or 37 billion instead of the 44 billion dollar deal so basically he's saying well this deal ain't going to move forward so i'll pay the the billion dollar um, closing costs or whatever, you know, whatever it is clause for him, you know, going forward, this penalty, right? Uh, I'll pay that. But look at y'all, y'all out 10%, 
value sh- dropped and nobody trusts Twitter anymore. So, uh, and would Twitter, you rather do like, that? The top of people, top Twitter people, VPs and stuff, even though, cause I, I think a couple of them left this week, a couple of them are like, it has nothing to do with Elon. I want a new challenge. Okay, sure. sure. <laughs> yeah. We don't so, you. so maybe he, this is a bargaining chip, negotiating, negotiating tactic. Either way, um, do you think this deal will go through or do you think this thing will fall flat and um, he'll be on to something else? I honestly think he's lost interest already. Um, Honestly, he's like a child. You know, whatever the shiny new thing that's dangling in front of his face, that's what he wants to go after. Kind of the same thing with, you know, space and all that, all that type of stuff. And Mm -hmm. I think because it's no longer shiny, the shine is now dull. It's now wrapped around this controversy. It's not, you know, a beacon. It's not going to give him any more clout. Um, I think he'll probably try and find a way to weasel out of this and, uh, you know, go and do something else equally as stupid. Yeah. Uh, speaking of clout, um, speaking of getting in beefs with Twitter folks, uh, Elon Musk was also beefing <laughs> with uh, previous uh, founder Jack Dorsey about Twitter's algorithms. And in this case, incidentally, byproduct, he is kind of right, right? So this next story I'm walking, uh, leading into, um, Elon Musk is back and forth with Jack Dorsey as it relates to the algorithms. And basically, uh, Elon Musk's claim is when you go into Twitter, make sure you change your feed to latest, show you the latest tweets versus the quote unquote home uh, option. Because the home option is learning what you want to see and what you don't want to see and feeds you a, I don't want to say fake, but it's not the true chronological order order of of how the tweets come in, which most of us assume that Twitter is doing when somebody puts a tweet up, it pushes it up to the top and then I refresh and what I'm seeing when I hit refresh is the latest chronological amount of tweets since the last time I refreshed. Well, right. according to um, Elon Musk, that's not the case. And Jack Dorsey really couldn't back it up because, of course, Jack Dorsey, his standpoint was, yeah, we're trying. We're, we're actually trying to customize your experience with Twitter based on what you click on, what you like, how long you're looking at stuff. Nothing different than what Facebook does, Instagram does, any other service does. But as a byproduct of that, the algorithm is not manipulate, manipulating you, but it is showing you something that is not what you're expecting. So right. Elon Musk They're is showing like, oh, you something me. that you were, that you interacted with before or something you might be interested in but not who you actually follow and what they're actually posting. Right, right. So, for instance, uh, Jack Dorsey says, uh, the the algorithmic feed was simply designed for people who don't obsessively check Twitter. In a later reply in this argument back and forth, Dorsey admitted that the algorithm can have unintended consequences, but maintained it wasn't designed to manipulate users. What have we always said? <laughs> the road to hell is paved with paved good with intentions. Good 
(laughs) So technically speaking, sure, Twitter is not purposely trying to manipulate users into seeing what they think you should see. But the fact that they are using algorithms to, quote unquote, customize your experience based on how often you check Twitter, that can have unintended consequences of manipulation. So I just thought that was interesting that Elon Musk is fighting with the CEO, the current CEO. He's fighting with the previous founder. founder, You know, who knows what, who knows why. But uh, again, this is just to build a case, I think, for why he's going to back out. He got the bots and now you got Oh, you're manipulating people, so yeah. you can't trust that. So, yeah. and again, although he's right in this instance, a clock is right. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Clock, clock, clock is right, right twice a day. Twice a day, right. right. But this doesn't give him any more credence or, or <laughs> value in this whole Twitter discussion. But, but yeah, right. But, um, technically speaking, if you right. do want to see a chronological view of your tweets as they roll in you do actually have to do something that's not the default which again that's another thing we always talk about leave stuff alone and then let me change it don't be changing stuff for me let me me opt in don't force me to opt out and it's (laughs) like that whole thing i don't know if you see it on your timeline but it's kind of like how it is on instagram where they show you all these suggested people like mm -hmm. you can't even see your in order to see your timeline, you have to click the little button that says, show me the following. And that's not the default. And you can't see your stories right. when you do that as well. And it's just like, you know, I don't care about these topics. Sure, I might like something. Sure. But that doesn't mean I want you to tell me to follow a topic. That doesn't mean I want you to show me a specific article. I may have clicked on that one time. I may have clicked on it by accident. Let me decide what I want to see on my feed. So you were talking about it on Instagram. That happens a lot on YouTube. You better not click one thing on YouTube because YouTube's algorithm is like, I bet you want to see everything. So I'm changing your whole home home screen around to show. You won't recognize any of this. Right, right. You clicked on how to screw a light bulb in the light bulb. Now your whole home feed is filled it's with light how to. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, he does make a case for yeah. just show. Give me the. Let me let me customize it. Don't customize my own timeline. Right. Right. Leave <laughs> <Then> your own. <laughs> All right. So uh, the last story is we've talked about how Amazon, uh, how all these companies are stealing your data, and what you're paying for is the ability to use the service for free and what you're paying it's free, but what you're actually paying is your data. So it looks like Amazon for change is actually willing to say, all right, we'll actually pay you for some of your data. Uh, In this case, it's grocery shopping data. Basically it'll give you a uh, cash back uh, when you visit a physical store. So basically how this works is uh, Alexa shopping list savings. So what you'll have to do is you'll say, Alexa, add apples to my shopping list, right? Mm-hmm. It'll add it to your shopping list. You've got all these things on your shopping list. And then what you do is you'll actually, um, it'll give you coupons will show 
uh, next to the list item where you can actually choose to apply them. Once you've been to the store, you upload your receipt and scan the barcodes of the eligible items into the Alexa app and you'll get a rebate. So you add a bunch of stuff to your list. Coupons will show up for the things based on qualifications. You buy those things. You show Amazon proof that you actually bought those things and then they'll send you a rebate. So <laughs> that that's basically what they're saying is, hey, use our services so we can learn you. So basically, when you add these items to your shopping list, what we just said in the previous story, yep. it'll start suggesting a bunch of crap. <laughs> but just because one day you bought some cheeses, pizza rolls, <laughs> right now, all you get are the different types of pizza rolls, all the right. different types of cheeses when it was just that one time. And I bought it for a specific reason, not because I necessarily wanted them. But now you're the right. cheesy queen. <laughs> but so, yeah, you're going to get that. But also Amazon, I guess, in this case, is like, all right, at the very least, what we can do is we'll give you some some rebates and some coupons. So if you are unlike us and you like using Amazon Echo devices and you like you uh, uh, companies utilizing your data to offer you a more customized, personalized experience, which I get it. I get it. Overall, you get it. You want to be. But let me decide if I want that. Right, right, right. And how much and at what length and, you know, right. But I get it. Ultimately, I get it. You want to think that your technology is learning you to better help you. You want it to help. But, you know, uh, sometimes that goes a little bit too far. Uh, But if you're not at that place to where you are going too far, you may want to look into Amazon uh, or Alexa shopping list savings, especially if you're doing that sort of thing. So I just want to make people aware of that, that we we talk about Amazon a lot to where they be taking your data for, for nothing. It's time to give you a little something back. So I got to make sure I be fair and highlight <laughs> All right. All right. So that is it for second string. We're going to move into for the culture. Uh, there was a lot of stuff going on, but I didn't want to talk about some of that stuff. Um, it's a, it's depressing. It really yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of found some positive stuff. So uh, we've talked about Google before. Um, they had some issues with diversity as it relates to some of the scientists that were saying, hey, uh, Google's artificial intelligence is not really helping when it comes to diverse people. You know, Google has some some dust up when they fired some of these um, scientists, black women specifically, who raised the red flag as it relates to diversity and AI and machine learning, you know. But since then, Apple, uh, Google has looked like they've tried to turn a corner um, when they announced their latest Google Pixel. I think it was the Pixel 6 or something like that. They came up with a technology called Real Tone that did a better job with the camera at identifying different shades of people, different colors, and did a better job of highlighting those skin tones versus making everything look washed out. Uh, this next thing that they've done is they're using this new 10-point skin tone scale that will help AI become less biased when it comes to different skin tones, different skin colors. So this new 10-point scale is called the Monk Scale. It's actually named after a brother, Ellis Monk, assistant professor of sociology at Harvard and the creator of the Monk Skin Tone Scale, or N 
MST, good lord. <laughs> MST scale is designed to replace outdated skin tone scales that are biased towards lighter skin when the older scales are used by tech companies to categorize skin color it can lead to products that perform worse for people with darker coloring says the creator of the scale so basically he's talking about this Fitzpatrick scale which was designed in the 70s to classify how people with paler skin either burn or tan in the sun and was later only expanded to include darker skin so this Fitzpatrick scale only had like white a little bit less white medium and then black right so no nuance in between no 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 nothing right <laughs> so then they expanded the Fitzpatrick scale later to include darker skin and then this monk scale takes it a step further and does a 10 point scale and basically what this can be used for is google wants to use it to where say for instance um nika for example mm -hmm. she is we talked about in our uh, live show about weddings right so say for instance nika is in a wedding and she wants to find wedding makeup for uh, uh makeup for weddings right if she goes into google and types in makeup for weddings all she may see is white brides or white mm -hmm. people and she would have to, you know, pretty much game the system in order to find makeup for darker colors or makeup for brown people, or makeup for black people, or whatever. Uh, Google is going to use this 10 point monk scale and actually implement it into things like Google search to where when you put in makeup for weddings, you can actually select according to this skin tone and it'll then show all of these images for makeup for wedding, for colors that kind of resemble more of what she's looking for. So that's just one of the ways, just an example of how this monk scale will actually work in AI. Uh, we'll put the link in the show notes where you can kind of go and see how you can actually click on the skin tones and it'll show you different images in a Google search, you know, to where you don't have to say bridal makeup for black people, <laughs> you know, you and, can say bridal makeup looks and select the skin color and it'll show you all the images to give you a better idea. And let's be clear, anytime I go on Google or Pinterest and I'm looking for something um, maybe fashion related, whether it be makeup, whether it be hair, whether it be an outfit, I always put black girl or black woman at the end mm -hmm. because the default is, is not that. And I'm not saying it has to be, you know, the first thing you see is black. I'm saying, Let's see some variety, but the first five pages are all of white people. I know they make up a sizable part of the population, but lots of people use Google. Lots of people use Pinterest. And I'm telling you right now, if you go into like my Pinterest interest in a uh, uh, app, you'll see whatever I'm searching for and you will see black girl or black woman appended to the end of it. So much so now. When I start typing, it goes, it starts typing it, the predictive typing, you know, goes ahead and adds it because they know I have to put that at the end to see body shapes that look like mine, to see skin tones that look like mine, to see hair textures that look like mine because it is not the default. 
and it is an additional labor to get to what I'm looking for. Right. And it goes back to what we were saying in previous stories, you know, let me customize, right. right. How I want my experience to be. And this Google of uh, this monk scale is just an example of us, different backgrounds, different skin colors, different, whatever the case may be going in, going in and being able to use the technology to curate my own experience. Right. Mm-hmm. And then another thing this monk scale does is it just builds it creates technology with diversity in mind at the foreground, not having to go back and adjust things to make diversity an afterthought. So I just wanted to read this quote from the story of what diversity means. For example, when we're surfacing results in India or we're surfacing results in different parts of the world is going to be inherently different says um this young lady um let me find her uh original uh uh her, her name is Dorsey Doshi Doshi I'm trying to find her original name uh anyway um uh it's hard to necessarily say oh this is the exact set of good results we want because that will differ per user per region per query so basically uh in a nutshell what she's saying is everybody's experience is different and technology should be able to give us the ability to customize our experience based on our specific features, based on whatever set of uh, uh, filters or requirements that we're looking for. And just, um, you know, this uh, monk scale is just a, just an example of that, you know, being able to different people, different backgrounds, being able to curate their own experience in this case, based on skin tone. And again, this is just a start because I, if you saw me looking down, I actually, you know, went to see, you know, what this looks like. There is still some fine tuning that needs <laughs> to be done. And again, um, even with a 10 point skin tone range, it does leave out, you know, people as well. So I think this is a good starting point. Let's be clear. It's not the end point. It's a step forward. It's definitely forward momentum. But there's still a lot of work to be done in this space. But it should be called out that they are making an attempt, a genuine attempt, to make sure that the search is more uh, equitable for the people that are using the the platform. Or not, or just not downright blasphemous, right? Because <laughs> we, you know, we I think we made we, it came to we talked about it on this show uh, uh, a Google Photos error that led to its search algorithm, not somebody manually doing this, its search algorithm tagging photos of black people as gorillas and chimpanzees. Yep. (laughs) That is a big (laughs) no-no. Big no-no, very offensive and very racist tones. Right. But it was something that the algorithm did. Again, this wasn't somebody manually going in and changing these tags and photos so it just goes to show how technology artificial intelligence machine learning you know we still have to make sure that we are not um, building our biases in or the technology learning on its own without human interaction we still have to be at the table when it comes to ai when it comes to machine learning and we have to make sure diversity is built into that from the ground up. 
And let's be clear, that's what my corporate day job is, is I work in, I'm an AIML engineer. So there are people behind these algorithms. Human people create these algorithms. So if you have implicit bias, or even if it's, it's, it's unimplicit, if it's just, you know, this is what I see, this is what I do, so this is what I'm going to include in that sample size, you know, that's what it is. And again, it's a machine. The data is trained. So if you have a biased data set that you're training against, obviously the output is going to be biased as well. So it's not just something, you know, some mysterious behind the curtain thing that's happening. There are actual people who are building these algorithms and are selecting the data that it's going to be trained against. So again, goes all to say there are still people behind these algorithms and you know that's something that has to be taken into account that it's not some pour some magic in a in a ball and shake it up and that's what you get so you never have it, to go back and touch it again right it, it alone, always it, yeah yeah it's something that always has to be updated we update models and algorithms all the time when you get more information, you trade it against that because it's always a constant, continuous improvement sort of situation. Yep, absolutely. All right, so that's going to do it for for the culture. We're going to move into the hookup where we give our tips. So like I mentioned before, uh, I went to a wedding earlier this weekend and I tried to bring my entertainment and uh, networking experience with me. So I actually purchased uh, two uh, devices and they actually worked pretty well. So I just wanted to share them with you and why I did it and how it worked. All right. So the first thing I bought was a wireless portable router because what I wanted to do was I wanted to make sure that when I go to the hotel, for example, and I either pay for or due to my rewards, I get free Internet or you just get free Internet. Nowadays, when you go to a hotel, half of the time, I'd say 80% of the time, that free wireless networking is not trash. secure. Nope. It's, it's trash, number one. And <laughs> number two, it probably ain't secure. So if you're doing banking at the hotel or you're doing any sort of financial stuff, you Cause I'm don't, on my laptop. It's safe. No, it's not. Right. You working, you working from the hotel, you know, remote work, you know, and you're doing some classified sensitive stuff on your laptop in the hotel Wi-Fi. You may not want to do that. So one of the ways you can get around doing that is I purchased this TP-Link AC750 wireless portable router. And what that does is it connect in layman's terms, it connects to the current wireless network and creates a more secure personalized network that you can then connect your devices to for more security. So basically what I did was I set this up using the same wireless setup that I have at my house. So when I went to the hotel, I plugged this thing up. I didn't have to go to every single device and connect to the hotel Wi-Fi and go through that whole rigmarole where you got to enter your last name and your room number right. and select which one you want to do on every device. I did it one time on this wireless router. And then since it uses the same wireless SSID as my home network, all my devices automatically picked up and then I got to use the Wi-Fi without setting it up on separate devices. And then in addition to that, like I said, it's more, it's a more secure wireless network because 
you can go in and, and lock down more of the settings than the hotel Wi-Fi does because they just want to offer free net, uh, wireless uh, right. internet. They don't care about any of that other stuff. So if you are, you may want to get up, get a wireless portable router. Like I said, we put the, I put the link to the one I got specifically in the show notes, but as long as you got one, you'll get better internet and it'll be more secure. So the second, go ahead. No, I'm saying cool. Oh, oh yeah. So the second thing, um, I actually bought a Roku 4K streaming stick. And the reason why I did this was because anytime you go to a hotel nowadays, you can sign in to all of your accounts, Netflix, Disney Plus, Apple TV Plus, Amazon Prime Video, uh, uh, Sling, all the YouTube TV. You can sign into all those things on their TV, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure most people forget to sign out. Sign out. Yep. <laughs> So the next person can come in, sees all the stuff you're watching, is watching all your stuff, unless you <laughs> manually go and sign out to each and every one. Right. Or instead of doing that, you can sign into all of those accounts one time on the Roku stick, take the Roku stick to the hotel, plug it into the back of the TV, and then boom, you've got all of your accounts uh, signed in, already ready to use. And in addition to that, the coolest thing you can then the Roku remote that comes with the stick can learn the functions of the television. And then you can use the one remote to turn the TV on, to turn the TV, the TV off, turn the volume up and down and also uh, go through your entertainment. When it's time to leave the hotel, all you got to remember is to take the stick out. So you do have to remember that, but I would rather set a reminder to take the stick out uh, out of the back of the TV versus have to set a reminder to sit there when you're trying to check out at 11 o'clock right. on Sunday and sign out of all these accounts mm -hmm. when you just take the stick out. So those are my hookups for the week. Definitely get you a wireless portable router uh, to bring your home internet with you and buy you a streaming stick to bring your home entertainment with you as well. All right. So that's going to do it uh, for this show. Actually, uh, Nika, tell us where they can find you. Got anything going on this week? Um, nope. Other than family coming into town, that's pretty much it. But you can definitely follow me on the social medias. I am at Tech Savvy Diva on all of the websites. All right. And you can find me at uh, Brother Tech on all things B-R-O-T-H-A-T-E-C-H to connect with us on the show. You can follow us on Instagram. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, eh, so much. But to find out all that information, you can go to snobowestcast.com. You can find out the latest episodes. Like I mentioned before, you can follow us on social media. Send us emails. You can download the show. You can subscribe to the show. You can become a supporter. If you want to go be, actually be a supporter, you go to patreon.com forward slash snobowestcast and uh, subscribe to our Patreon. Like I mentioned at the top, you'll get the uh, exclusive content that we don't talk about on this show and you get to watch the show a little bit early. So other than that, I think that's going to do it. I think we are done right on time to where we can watch game one of the Warriors and the Mavericks. So I'm not going to hold you any longer. I'm going to go ahead and get off. So until next week, we are out. Peace. Bye, everybody.